Mark chapter 14, verse 26. It's a very long chapter. Uh, it's got over 70 verses in it. Um, sometimes, I, I, I've talked about this before, sometimes the chapters and verses are helpful. Sometimes they're kind of annoying. Um, they're not uh, part of the original text, as you may know. Uh, I probably would have made extra chapters here if they, uh, they didn't ask me. Uh, but uh, the chapters are uh, helpful to find stuff uh, and sometimes helpful to, but sometimes we miss if we go. We're going to go through quite a few verses today, but it all kind of flows well. But before we get into the text, just to give you, this, we had this map last week. This is a topographical view of Jerusalem at the time of Jesus. Here's your temple, and we, we're not really completely sure where the upper room is. This is a traditional spot. Some people might think it's down here, but we're going to go with this. But you see this little line that comes down and then goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. So this is kind of where we are. Uh, we're, we're leaving here. We're coming down to here. And, and, and you can do that, kind of get an idea. So th what they're looking at is the temple the whole time, which is a very beautiful building. Um, so... Uh, that's kind of where they end up here as we uh, come out. So we've just come off of the Lord's Supper. You know, truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink in a new kingdom. And then, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And, and so that's kind of where we are now is the Mount of Olives. So, and Jesus said to them, and this had to be... Uh, Interesting to hear for them. You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said, Peter, emphatically, I, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same, so. We probably know this denial of Peter fairly well. Um, but this quote from Zechariah, a lot of us, and I know it's okay if you don't, uh, and it's Super Bowl Sunday, do I need to give you a assignment? Sure. Read Zechariah. No, I mean, Zechariah is very interesting. It's, it's quite of a long, uh, it's a minor prophet in the sense that it was shorter. But um, Zechariah, you start in about chapter 10, and it, it uses this metaphor as the shepherd for the leaders of Israel. Um, Ezekiel does this also in, in the chapters, you know, like 32 through 36. But it's the whole idea that the shepherds aren't doing well. And then it switches over that there's going to be a shepherd from the line of David. Somebody's going to come. It's very messianic. Um, and so that's what Jesus is talking about. If you read through chapter 13, he says you're going to strike the shepherd and it, they're going to be scattered. And you can really, it's really cool. Jesus tells us that's him. I mean, this is pretty easy, right? Uh, but even before that, th this, this Davidic Messiah is going to be struck. You know, it's a little bit hidden, I realize, but it's there. But what's interesting, if you keep reading about that, and I think this comes into some of this, he says, y you know if you get in the book of Revelation, you get this one-third, two-third thing all the time. Um, that's just kind of a, well, that doesn't come from, Start with Revelation. This is in the Old Testament all the time. And in the, at the end of chapter 13 of Zechariah, he says that two-thirds of the, of the sheep or the people are just going to fall away and get judged. But one-third, I'm going to put through the fire so we find them. 
you know, and I, if you're one of those disciples, you've got to be thinking the refining's starting. And if you look through the book of Acts, if you read the letters of Paul, the letters of Peter, the letters of John, there's a refining there. Um, it always, uh, the way Jesus puts it in John 15, is pruning. Um, neither one sounds fun. Uh, one's hot and one's kind of sharp. Uh, but, uh, but the idea, it, it, it's so, when you go back and you read this text in any of the gospel, you go to Zechariah and you're like, it's almost like Zechariah was seeing this as he's writing. I don't know how that works. That's a, you know, but, but it's really cool how we can see that this was always there. Uh, but the scattering is going to be temporary. You get to, to chapter 14, and it's the day of the Lord, and it's good stuff and all that. Uh, but it's in there already that the Messiah is going to come, get struck, and the people who directly follow him are going to have to go through some trials to get the rest of the message out. And so it makes sense what happens. And it, when we come back into our own theology of today, it might just be that sometimes we need refined, which we don't like, you know to use a football metaphor because uh, I'm required to by my contract. No, I'm not. But I've got to mention football in, uh, at least once a month. But, uh, uh, you know, you think about it, you know, the old, uh, you know, how much you're going to have these, these, these guys are going to go out there and play. How much practice goes into a three-hour game? Well, actually, it's just a 60-minute game if you take uh, how long the actual plays go. Um, but how, and that's the same thing. You know, they go through a lot of trials. You know, you hear about, um, I remember, you know, you hear about these guys that are thrown. I, I, I heard about, you know, Purdy, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, you know, wasn't supposed to do anything. And he just worked and he worked and he worked and he watched film and he threw balls and he kept going and he kept going. Receivers, can we do it more? Can we do it more? Refining. Probably wasn't fun all the time, but now the dividends are paying. Uh, so that's kind of what's going on here, but it's only going to be temporary. But then, you know, they they appear they didn't really grasp this after I am raised up. You know, you know, it's it's kind of they, they don't quite get that. But but you see this, you know, it, Peter's desire is to be faithful. That's his desire. He wants to do what his Lord wants. Um, but it's hard to do that when you don't understand what your Lord wants. And we see that in our own lives, right? You know, you, you, you think I'm being faithful by, by doing a particular path, but if that's not promised by you, you can lose your trust in Christ if you essentially take promises that aren't there and say they are. Um, and that's what we just have to be careful with that. What did, what did Jesus promise? Did he promise these guys you know, anybody comes near you, they're just going to fall down like a Jedi master. It's just not a problem. Nobody's going to touch you. He didn't promise them that, did he? Um, he promised us that, though, right? <laughs> In this world, we will have no trouble. I don't think it says that. I think we get that later. Uh, uh, and ironically, Peter did die for Jesus. I don't know. We don't know. Um, Second Peter is probably one of the last letters written probably in the 60s A.D., but, you know, traditionally both Paul and Peter were, were, were crucified in Rome because they were Christians. And, and traditionally Peter uh, was asked, you know, he's going to be crucified. He has to be crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to be crucified the same way his Lord was. And again, that's tradition, but it's a pretty solid tradition um, from somebody who Somebody who knew somebody who knew Peter. So, I mean, it doesn't mean it's foolproof. But uh, uh, but the thing we miss here, it, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, 
poor Thomas, you know, with the doubting, it's like he wasn't the only one. You know, you remember Thomas, you know, the reason he doubted because he wasn't there the first time. I'm guessing if nobody was there, they probably would all doubted. But the same thing here. It says, Peter says, I, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And when we get to the cross, notice how many people are still around. I mean, Peter was emphatic. Um, do you think he meant it? Do you think he meant this? Or he's blowing smoke? We can always do that, you know. If you ever coached a really bad team, well, we can win this game. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're just as good as they are, except at every position, you know. <laughs> you know, it's hard. Oh, man, we almost had it until they got those 56 points in the first quarter. <laughs> You know, but I, th I think he really meant it. I, I think he did. Uh, and what's going to be cool, we get this next part. We get a little bit of Jesus' uh, thoughts and feelings, which you don't get that much in the Bible. So they take off. Uh, they're in this. Uh, uh, at that point, they were probably just on the Mount of Olives. Maybe it was on the way. It sounds like from John's Gospel, they were kind of just walking and talking, which you can do. Um, the... Uh, so they went to a place called Gethsemane, uh, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, this hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to, to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. You wonder where that came from. That's right where it is. Um, and again he went away and prayed, saying the same words, and again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Is it enough? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So this, this Gethsemane, because we think, and I don't have my map up there, but Bethany's on the other side, and that's where Lazarus and Mary and Martha and I think their dad Simon was, that's probably where they went when they went to Jerusalem for the festival. So they probably got in Gethsemane quite a bit. This is probably a nice meeting place. You know, I know uh, Jeff gave some good kudos for that. Our, uh, our kind of Denison E. Free Grace Church Gethsemane, which is kind of down, down there. It's kind of neat. You know, it's very quiet, um, a place to be. You know, it's, it's a place where they probably just hung out. It was a good place for them to come. We don't know much more about that. Um, but they, they come there. And he says, watch. He's asking them to watch. It's the same verb he said when he did that Olivet Discourse. You know, the out, you know the eventually things are going to happen. Watch. Just watch. Just be ready. Do what I tell you. Let me take care of the timing. All he's asking for him is just, just to be with him. Stay awake. And it's just, I mean, I don't know if I do this. I don't know if you do. I started thinking, it's like, why were they so sleepy? I mean, drink a cup of coffee. How hard could this be? Did they not have jolt or something back then? You know, I mean, maybe they didn't. I don't know. Is it jolt? I don't know. Well, you know, the energy drinks. You know, you, you give these energy drinks to kids before they go to school, right? The teachers love that. 
yeah. Um, but but I, I, it, it is, it's interesting how this works. Um, you know, to their defense, they probably had a long day. Um, but uh, you've been there sometimes when you want to stay awake, you know, you're watching this really good movie on Netflix, and about 17 minutes in, you're Boy, I really want to see this. No, I really, I really want to see it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's easy. You know, I mean, it's easy to do. But it's just, you think about. I wonder how much the denial is gonna, which Peter will do eventually, is tough enough. But it's like they just, they kind of felt like they just, they just messed up so bad. Uh, because man, all he asks us to do is stay awake, and they couldn't do it. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. Part of it may have been that they were just weak and they were tired and they're human and it happens. And but there's two main I- issues there. The first is the weakness of the disciple and then Jesus' prayer. Um, this is the inner three, he says. You, we get this Jairus' daughter, he brings those three with him. The transfiguration, he brings those three with him. The, kind of the term has been the inner three. Uh, Peter, James, and John uh, come and uh, you know, it's up to Jesus who he picks. Um, I made a hypothesis once, and I don't know how good this is, but I kind of like it. It's like, maybe these are the guys that got along with best. Maybe they're all 49er fans. I don't know. <laughs> but there is, and you got to be careful with this, because Jesus obviously is, is truly man and, and truly God, so it's a little different. But there are, I mean, everybody, all of us have people that we, we really meld with well, you know, they're our best friends. And there's other people we might not like. Or, oh yeah, oops. <laughs> no, there's other people that we, we care about, but it's just it's just not quite there, and that's okay. That's, it doesn't mean they're bad or you're bad. It's probably you're bad, but but I mean we don't meld with everybody. That's okay. Um, and, and maybe this is one of the reasons. He just kind of they got it. You know, some people when you you know because I've got some really really funny jokes, um, and a lot of people don't get them. I'm like, what's wrong with you? This is funny. So I just hang around with people that get them. You know, so no, I just. Uh, yeah, but again, every personality. Jesus had a personality. Maybe this is part of it. There's probably more to it than that, but it's just something to think about. Um, but his request is primarily for him now. He hasn't done this much. Remember what he usually did after a, a lot of healing or a lot of teaching? What did he usually do? He went away, and how many people do usually bring with him at that time? None. Probably didn't need him. Needs him now. You know, and maybe he did some. I mean, and a lot of times it's usually for their benefit. Why did he bring James and Peter and John up to the Jairus healing? Got to be a lot of reasons. I don't think he needed their moral support to, to raise her from the dead. And the transfiguration, they're essentially just spectators. I don't think it cost them. I, I think the average price for a transfiguration seat was $8,600. Actually, that's what I saw Super Bowl, really. Average price. So, that's why we watch it on TV. <laughs> right? That's the, but the flesh is weak. And we actually had this, ironically, today in, 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 uh, in Rome. It's the part of us that isn't connected to God. It's not just the, you know, the, the stuff, although it can be it. It's the idea that it, 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 they're just not, they're not in there. They're not understanding. There's, and they're, and they're, they want to follow him, but this is the part that's doubting and doesn't want to follow as well. So to watch here is to focus on God and his word. That's what they're saying. It's like, you know, they sang a hymn on the way. Maybe they should have sang one when they were hanging out. You know, I mean, if we'd had our praise team there, they probably never would have fell asleep. 
I've noticed that. People fall asleep at my sermons, but you gotta never fall asleep during the songs. Oh, you stand up. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> no, that's good. I, I mean, I'd have, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, sometimes uh, I probably fall asleep at my own sermons. You gotta be careful. But, uh, but watch and pray. This is great advice for any believer. Um, Psalm 37, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. That's, you know, focus. Why are you doing this? Because you, you, you need it uh, with the trouble. Um, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. You know, the spirit being with us, you know, it's, it's focus. Uh, it's a lot easier to be a Christian when you know what Jesus wants. Don't you think? It's a lot, it's a lot easier to trust and follow Jesus when you really know him well than it is when you know him just a little bit. If you think Jesus is somebody that's going to make your Super Bowl party less fun, I mean, Jesus is probably the one that's going to bring that really cool dip. I mean, he, he's going to make it better. Why? Because no matter what, even if your team loses, Jesus still is Lord. Isn't that cool? We're just saying that. He holds the future. He holds the future. How many gamblers would want to know the future? Right? Yeah. That's no promise. We, we don't get that promise. He holds the, but he's not always going to tell you what it is. What would it be like if Jesus told you you were going to do something that was going to be against him? What would you do? Well, we'll read on as we go through a few weeks here and find out what Pete, because that's what he did. You're going to deny me. I'm going to do what? No, I'm not. Think about that. He didn't quite understand who Jesus was, did he? I mean, he, he understood a lot. But if he really understood who Jesus was, he would have never said, you're wrong, Jesus. Two strikes on that one almost. And then his prayer. His prayer is to do the Father's will. Perhaps to avoid the cross. When you read this, you don't have to necessarily take it that way. Um, although you might want to. <laughs> I'm just saying he's more concerned with being obedient to the Father's will than getting his emotional and short-term desires fulfilled. We know that. Um, but what is he asking? If you read the text, which is not a bad idea, he's saying, if it's possible, remove this cup from me. Now, that probably has something to do with cross. I mean, it could be, it, it, you got to be very careful with here because it, we're getting into the motions of Jesus, right? We don't get a lot of this in the Bible. He, uh, he doesn't get emotional in that way, like he's not in charge. Uh, but I, it's possible, and you can do what you want with this, that maybe it's not so much that take the cross away from me. I know I've got to do that. Could you take away the emotion? Just a thought. If it, that doesn't make sense to you, just erase it, you know. Uh, but it, there's something going on here. I mean, we can go through tough times and struggles, and we know it's going to happen. Well, you know, going to a big surgery or something, or going into chemo or whatever you're doing, and it can get emotional, and you're like, and you get scared, and you you don't want to do it, and it hurts, and and you might just say, "Could you take that way? I'm going to have to go through this anyway. I know that because it's for the best." But could you? 
take away the emotion of it, you know. I don't know. Do what you want with that. Um, he struggles between what he intellectually knows is true. I mean, I think Jesus understood Psalm 22. I think he knew Isaiah 53. I mean, he wrote them. I mean, Psalm 22, if you read that, it's almost like David is seeing the crucifixion as he's writing. A, a type of torture that wasn't even going to be invented for 900 years. But yet he, it sounds very close to what's going on. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I you so far? Why am you so far from my groaning? It's an emotional psalm. I feel separate from you. I'm not. David knows that. You know that, right? When you're going through, you know God's there. You just don't feel it. Well, isn't it kind of cool? that we have a Savior that not only can sympathize with your emotions, He knows exactly what you feel like. Maybe that's why it went this way. You know, you're praying to Him, it's like, I, I just don't know, it's just so hard. Go through this. And Jesus can say, yeah, I know how you feel. Not, that must be really bad. And we can do that. You know, you, you, I look around, you, if you have people who've gone through tough times, you know as well as I do, if somebody else has gone through something similar, there's something there. It's a club you don't want to be in, I realize that, but it, there is a, there's an empathy there. It's really cool. And now we have, you know, in Hebrews, we don't have a Savior who cannot understand our weaknesses. Why? Because He, 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 he went through it. Maybe just this one time, but that's, that's enough. I don't, you don't need more. And so I don't know. You do what you want with it. I think, you know, I like to say, well, I know it means this. I don't know. I do know that he's struggling. It has something to do with the cross and it has something to do with his emotions. But is he sinning because he's maybe a little bit scared right now? Well, come on. No. <laughs> Where's the Baptist when you need him? Uh, no, I mean, obviously this is not sin. It's not sinful to be scared. It's not sinful to, to feel sorrow when you're going through really tough trials. That's, that's, that's human. I don't usually use this word in this context, but if you're not scared when you're going through something that's scary, you're probably stupid. I mean, really, I mean, that's just not rational. What's the turning point for him? Well, it looks like the Father and most likely the Spirit strengthens him emotionally. Maybe he read the end of Psalm 22. It really ends good. You know, all those Psalms do that. They start out some like, man, God, where the heck are you? I don't feel you. This does not seem fair. In fact, you know what? I don't think it is. But yet I got to turn to you because if I don't turn to you, what do I have? You ever think about that? I've heard people say, well, I can't believe in God who took my mom away or who did, you know, and that's tough. So now I, I tell them, I say, okay, so now your mom's gone and you have no hope. Wouldn't it be better if your mom's gone and you have hope? I mean, it's not rational, but it is emotional. <laughs> that's what's come. But a good example for us in our times is to watch and pray and focus on God. Call out to Him. Know and remember His Word and His promises. It might just be true that God's promise to you and what He gives you is more important than the promise you want Him to give to you. And I've, I've lived that just like you have. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, the pastor, he's got to figure it out. You know. No, it's hard. I realize it's hard. 
But if you get set your minds on things above, if you know His Word, if you understand what He's promised you, think about like Psalm 23, the shepherd stuff. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. I mean, that's cool. Notice what he doesn't do, what the psalm doesn't say. If anything's bad going to happen, I'm going to take you and slingshot you over the other side so you don't have to worry about it. That's out there. If you're faithful, nothing will ever happen because, of course, Jesus never had anything bad happen to him. You do realize they killed our leader, right? All that theology is just, well, it's certainly stupid, but it's heretical. I mean, it's not good. We don't want that. Let's, let's rest on the promises that he has instead of asking for what we think he should do. I do that. I know you do that. There's going to be probably millions of people saying, Lord, I know, I know I shouldn't pray for the game. However, the Chiefs have won enough. <laughs> if, you're, if you're on the side, it's like, we could be a dynasty, you know. And then Patrick could get up there and say, praise the Lord, and more people would come to Jesus because we won the game. And we all do that, right? It, you, always, you can always rationalize, God, I don't think you're seeing the big picture here. You know how silly that is. It's like, you don't know what it's like. But then I think hopefully this, this, you'll come back and say, you know, he does know what it's like. He knows exactly what it's like. He knows exactly what it's like to feel emotion. There's no other religion in the world gives you this. It's really cool. That's why we call it the good news. It is good news. So the key, God never promised us that he would deliver us from all trouble and suffering. Even though I do argue with him about that. I lose every time. But he does promise repeatedly to strengthen us and be with us through those times. And that's back to that. It's end of the, uh, end of the, the, the chapter 16 where, where he, he's going to do that high priestly prayer in chapter 17 of John. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's almost like this wasn't the life he really created us for, primarily. And I think we always have to remember. And again, some people have more than others. I realize that. It doesn't seem fair sometimes, I realize. But, uh, you know, we all, in this life, we all, since the fall, you all have to deal with people who are sick and people who are dying. And that is hard, you know, to deal with. But be of, be of good cheer. Take heart, because I've overcome the world. So you don't have, this is not the final word. And neither is the cross. Skipping down quick before we go back to the betrayal, a young man uh, followed him, verse 51, with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. It's like, why do we need this information? Um, most people think this is actually John Mark, the author, uh, which is kind of cool. So he would have been there. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of neat. And he ends up, if you read the book of Acts, we think, well, we've already think, his, we think it was his folks' house that they had the upper room, they had the, the, the Last Supper, and that's where they end up praying and, and, and kind of hanging out where the early church starts. Uh, so, 
you get this. When Peter realized he was out of jail because the, the angel said, get out, you know, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. So you kind of put those together. So let's finish up with 50 through, or excuse me, 43 through 50. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him and lead him away under the guard. And when he came, he went up to him and once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. That would be the all who said, we will not abandon you. Took about 15 minutes. So Judas used his cultural greeting, you know, and then close friends, you know, that's how you do it. You, you didn't kiss everybody, but it was a close family member. So he, it's really, I think, who was it? What was that band back in the 80s? Striper? It was a uh, kind of a heavy metal, and I'm not big into that, but a uh, Christian band. And they had one, uh, maybe it was Petra, I don't remember. Anyway, Judas Kiss, you know, and it was, it's, a, it, it's just so intimate. So you got thousands of people are camped around, so it might have been hard to find him. Um, Judas knew where he was, because where do we always go? We always go to Gethsemane. There you go. So had inside information. Now remember, this is probably even before Christmas we went through this, but Jesus had already taken over the temple earlier in the week. He turned the tables over and kind of said, we're not doing this for a while. So they were worried. So they bring a lot of guards. Now there's a lot of conjecture if this is Roman guards or this is, you know, temple guards. Um, I think it's probably a combination of both, given all of the Gospels. Um, would make sense. I mean, think about it. If you were a Roman or a, uh, a temple guard and you'd seen some of these miracles and what this guy could do, I'd bring some people with me too. Which obviously is stupid, right? Because if he's got a few soldiers, are not gonna read the Old Testament how the angels can take out whole armies. You know, that's yeah. So our theology doesn't always line up with our actions. We see that here a little bit. So, but he does say, you know, the scriptures must be fulfilled. I mean, I don't know if those guys heard that clearly at that time, but I bet the change fell on the meter eventually. You get this in Luke twenty-four. Walked in Emmaus. It's like. Were you guys not listening? This has all had to be fulfilled. Probably a little, co little comfort to them right now because I like the scriptures being fulfilled. I just don't want it to hurt. And I don't want the suffering. And there's nothing wrong with praying to not suffer. I'm, I'm fine with that. It's when you go through the valley of the shadow of death that he's with you. There's nothing wrong with praying for protection. Nothing wrong with praying for healing. Nothing wrong for any of that. Do it. In fact, I, I encourage you to. But don't tell God what to do. That's not the way it should go. So Gethsemane ultimately it shows the great lengths that Yahweh will go so that his image bearers can reconcile back to him. We're starting to see this. 
I mean, sometimes we get that idea that Jesus just kind of went along and he did all this stuff and did all his healings, had all his power, and then kind of, you know, cross quick, you know, it's just, it was no big deal. This chapter and, and, and its counterparts in the other Gospels show us that th this is hard. You know, grace is free, right? It's a definition of grace, freely given to you so that you can be at one with the Father through the Son by the power of the Spirit. And, and none of the sins are counted. It's completely free, but it's not cheap. You don't get it without the cross. You know, cheap grace is just believing it and I got my get-out-of-hell-free card and I don't have to do anything. That's not following Jesus. A pagan can do that. Anybody can say, sure, I'll take one of those. Now, costly grace is grace where you say, I'm going to give up my life for him. Costly grace is where you say, he died for me, and, and so I die for him, and my mind's got to be focused on him. You know, cheap grace is grace without repentance. Grace with really without Jesus. Certainly grace without the cross. It's grace that God is obliged to give you because you're human. Costly grace is where we say, I give up my life. I will follow you. I realize what you did for me. You gave me the ultimate gift, and I accept. And that's how we get reconciled back to God. So if you think about that, if you get that, I hope it gets emotional. It should. Intellectually, we know. We have crosses. I got it around my neck. We have it all over the place. Don't diminish it just because it's around a lot. Remember what he did uh, and how much love that there was to do that. And if you go back here, how much anguish it was to be able to do that as a truly human yet truly divine person. So if you think about it and that change falls in the meter for you, you know, how could we not dedicate our lives continually to him, knowing what he endured for our salvation? Let us pray. Father, we do. We just thank you. Thank you for giving us that costly grace that's free to us that we can just accept. It almost seems like it's a, a deal too good. Uh, all we have to do is just give our life to you, which is why you created us in the first place. So as we go out into this Super Bowl Sunday and we hopefully have fun together and we come together with friends and family, may we remember that uh, the light of Jesus is our good shepherd and our Savior and Lord always buoys everything up. And we pray that, you know, even for that game, that somehow that Jesus will be glorified through that as much as his, as his word, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.